I believe that creativity is more like a talent kind of thing uh, for musicians, even inventors as well, because we are all dreamers, you know, as humans. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Frequent listeners of Status Go will remember our Race in Tech series we launched last year. It was part of our commitment to amplifying the voices and the stories of our colleagues who have been underrepresented in tech. We are continuing that commitment by bringing you incredible stories of courage, determination, and perseverance. In this episode, I'm sitting down with Danny Manu. Danny is a serial entrepreneur from Manchester, England. He is the inventor of Click, earbuds that translate conversations in 37 different languages in real time. However, his story goes well beyond his passion for technology. As a child, he spent time between Ghana and London. He lost his mother at the age of seven and became a music producer at 17. Before I get carried away and share too much of his story, I'd like to introduce Danny Manu. Welcome to Status Go, Danny. Thank you very much, Jeff, for having me on the show. I am so looking forward to this conversation. Your story and your background are just incredible. Why don't we start with a little bit about your background, the company that you have today, what you do, what that company does, uh, and then we'll get into your backstory. Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much. So CEH Technologies is Innovative Manufacturer of Consumer Audio Electronics. Um, you know, just to sum it up, we produce innovative products to support people's lives. And what we want to maintain, we want to maintain the business in the audio field. So anything audio, software, application, you could see uh, CEH Technologies being that company representing that. But our main focus is to always come up with technologies that improves people's lives. So we, we only, that's the only thing we want to focus on. And my Manu is, is the brand. So the parent company, CEH Technologies, as the main company. My Manu is uh, the brand that is widely known uh, because of clicks, as you already mentioned. And you've gotten worldwide recognition for that brand, right? I mean, it's gone well beyond the UK. Absolutely. I mean, we've done really well. You know, it wasn't, I've gone through a lot of challenges to get to, you know, where we are. And, you know, we've, we've met lovely people, nice people that have supported us along, you know, the journey. And in the process of doing that, it's given us, you know, a very worldwide recognition for what we do and what we stand for. Yeah. Well, let's dive into your story just a, a little bit. What was it like spending time in both London and Ghana as a young as a young child? I mean, it was a difficult one, um, you know, especially when you're growing up, you know, you go to school, go to college, um, you have to also get a side project. Oh, when I say side project, I mean work <laughs> to, <laughs> to generate some, some revenue. Um, it was a tough one, uh, honestly, Jeff trying to make all that part of, you know, uh, what I'm trying to say is, you know, we've, we've got dreams that we want to really achieve. And, you know, my yeah. dream and passion was in the music and also to create innovative products. 
but it was difficult to do, especially, you know, if you are in the situation I was, you know, as a young child, mm -hmm. trying to do everything, raise funds on my own, you know, work, save money to be able to build the dream that I really wanted. So it wasn't a straightforward one. It was a tough one. So you mentioned two of your passions. You mentioned music, uh, and you also mentioned creating technology. When did you know that you wanted to bring those two things forward in your world? Yeah, um, thank you. That's, a, that's an interesting question. I would say beginning of my career, so when I first set up my recording studio, I mean, I was in college um, in London, and I decided to set up the studio. Uh, the reason being was I play all instruments, which, which I, uh, so I was lucky. So I can play guitar, bass, drums, whatever I can do, I can do it all. Uh, but I had the passion of, you know, creativity in terms of coming up with, you know, mm -hmm. my own music. Um, so when I started producing record for musicians, I, I sort of, realize the creative side of me to implement mm -hmm. the music side to my engineering background that's something i was doing in college so i was you know in college my profession was pure engineering and i was you know, doing aerospace engineering uh, so learning sound engineering on top of that i was able to combine the passion i have in music and engineering mm -hmm. skills i've acquired in aerospace in music to come up with unique products. And I would say it's pretty much the same process as making music or, you know, recording music. Because if you look at musicians or, or musical artists, they, you ha they have to come for creativity, right? You know, they write songs, mm -hmm. they compose it. Yeah, yeah. And, and my one, because I have the passion for both, you know, engineering and music, I came up with a hardware, you know, innovative product. Yeah, because I can't sing, so. <laughs> <laughs> you can't sing, but you can play a lot of instruments. Exactly. I, I always find it fascinating. You're right. The, the creation process, the creativity involved in technology and the creativity involved in, in the arts, it uses similar parts of our brains. I'm always surprised, and I guess I shouldn't be after all this time, of the number of people that are in technology that also have some arts background, whether it's music, painting, writing, that creativity feeds both sides of us, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's something I don't think it can be taught uh, as far as creativity goes. I, I don't know. I've seen, you know, a lot of engineers, a lot of uh, I've met a lot of people that know how to use a specific tool, uh, but mm -hmm. they're not able to create, uh, be creative enough. Uh, but they know yeah. now to a specific tool. So I believe that creativity is more like a talent kind of thing uh, for musicians, even inventors as well, because we are all dreamers, you know, as humans. Yeah, we always yeah. dream, yeah. right? But you know, it takes a creator to dream to that level to, you know, bring something to life. Yeah. Now you've got a couple of different things that you have invented. What was your first one? What did you bring forth to the world first? The first one was a product called SBO1, which was, I would say, it was uh, the early, early, early day smart speaker. <laughs> if you <were> to... <laughs> uh, It was a very little gadget. And, and again, it was solving a particular problem. 
Um, this was about seven years ago. I was still in college, I believe, and I was still working full time in aerospace. And I did this on my own, you know, in my spare time, my bedroom with my laptop, and I was able to develop the whole product to bring it to life. But it's a speaker that allows you to listen to your music whilst you're in the shower and also pick up your phone calls. And if someone was calling you, you can, you know, respond to that. And Jeff, you know, interesting story was there was at that time, you know, mobile phone was, you know, big thing, you know, iPhone and mm-hmm. everyone was taking their phone to the bathroom and listening to their music and <laughs> dropping it in the toilet, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. dropping it in the bath. And, you know, I thought about it. I said, hold on a minute. Why do you have to take your phone to the bathroom just to listen to your music? You are ruining a very expensive gadget. It would be cool yeah. if you can just keep your phone in the bedroom, but access all the music and also keep in touch with your loved ones if someone wants to call you. Hence, I came up with that product. And, and it did really well. Uh-huh. Yeah, It solved that particular problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a great story. So... Talk to us about, you were in aerospace, right? You worked for Rolls-Royce, I believe. Um, when did you make the jump or the step to become an entrepreneur? Yeah, the leap of faith, I'll call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Better stated, leap of faith, yes. Yes, um, that was about six years ago from now. I mean, the point that I decided to do that uh, was I got to a stage uh, after inventing this first product, which is the smart speaker. Mm-hmm. And I realized I had a bit of traction. I was able to get a global distribution uh, with a company mm-hmm. called B&Q, uh, really known in the bathroom accessories um, you know, uh, industry. Uh, but I wasn't able to do it all. Uh, and Jeff, I was still a one-man band uh, at that time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I was picking customer support, sending emails, doing logistics, <laughs> delivering, mm-hmm. packing, stacking, shrink wrapping in the well. I was doing it all. And then yeah. daytime, I have to go to Haynes International, which is a, a company I used to work for in the aerospace industry, go there and do my normal aerospace you know, work. So it was a really tough one. You know, after talking to my advisors, uh, I had... Um, a few advisors that were supporting me in terms of, you know, the direction of the business, I decided to buy the bullet and, uh, and give it a, a shot. I really believed in what I was doing and I had a very strong passion in it. Um, the risk was I invented every single penny I had mm-hmm. from my yeah. revenue into it. So it's pretty much, you know, this is it. If yeah. you believe in this, then that's it. And, you know, I did it. And I think uh, I made the right decision. Yeah. I love that you called it being a one-man band because that ties back to your what you were talking about music. You played all the instruments. So you really were a one-man band for, for a while there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as you began to take this step, this leap of faith into the entrepreneurial world, Talk to us a little bit about raising money for your your endeavors, and how did that how did that go? What was your experience with that? Um, it wasn't a smooth sailing. I think I had difficulties uh, when I was you know trying to raise money, and hence me you know investing a lot into into the company or working to actually invest my own revenue in it. Uh, 
I, I think one of the issues was, you know, as a black tech entrepreneur, I was pitching about a technology that doesn't exist. No one mm-hmm. have heard it before. You know, it was the time that True Wireless, yeah, but I mean, I was one of the innovators that came up with True Wireless, yeah, but I think it was myself and another brand. We introduced True Wireless, yeah, but in the world. And mm-hmm. Qualcomm, who is the biggest chip vendor by that time, was not having even a chipset that could do, you know, both left and right in terms of um, the true wireless. You know, everyone mm-hmm. was aware of wireless here, but and on top of that, I was talking about translation. You know, and you are talking about big players in the game with billion dollar, you know, money that are still trying to develop such technology. So it was very difficult for someone to invest into such a technology because it's huge and they thought there's no way I could do it uh, you know mm-hmm. uh, I think what that's one of the challenges but I turned it around slightly when I was able to show a prototype and people start to believe that but mm-hmm. I think the strongest um, out of all the, the fundraising process the, the bit that have actually helped was my strong passion and believe in mm-hmm. what I was building, that helped a lot because when I presented the prototype, you know, people thought I have raised about 10 million or something like that. <laughs> but it was, yeah, yeah. and it was all coming from me. So I said, you know, I, I did all this on my own from ground up, uh, you know, save all my money, invest, you know, if I have to sell my car or whatever, I did all that to, to, to make it work. So people started to realize um, mm-hmm. how passionate I was about the product and start believing in it and believing in the technology. And I had a few advocates uh, that supported me as well. So together, yeah. my own personal investment, a group of people that believed in my dream, I was able to raise uh, five million to put into the company to take it to the next step. Yeah. Were there challenges associated with this raise because you were a black tech entrepreneur? Did you run into that as you were trying to do this raise? A bit. I ran into some of them, but I have a different mindset. And that's one thing I always try to advise people on. Um, race is something I think everyone might experience in, in, in their lifetime. But it's the kind of mindset you need to have as an individual to overcome mm-hmm. that, to let you move forward or to enable you to achieve your, your dreams. I faced that challenge as well, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, you're from an ethnic man- minority. You haven't got any experience. You don't have any team behind you. This is what mm-hmm. you want to build. Uh, we don't know if you'll be able to do it or not. But honestly, I was prepared to give it anything. And I really believed in it. And the passion was there. And I think it was yeah. a motivational factor. Yeah. So I do ignore, I would say, any form of racism. I don't allow that to discourage me at all. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if I walk in a room and, you know, everyone is affected by race, I will be the person that will sort of lock my brain. You know, it's like I have not even seen it or heard it. It's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult, but I think it's a skill. I would advise fellow entrepreneurs to try to, you know, embrace. But 
once you're able to cross that initial barrier, honestly, I think, you know, people will realize uh, that they need to support you. Yeah. As you're going in to do these fundraises, uh, I'm not familiar with the, the international fundraising markets, the venture capital there in the UK. Are you finding that there are more and more minorities represented on the other side of the desk in these venture capital firms that are providing the the money? No, no, no. Um, okay. There is less minority in such industry. And I think maybe that could be one of the issues or the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we're able to have more minority in such uh, venture capitalist companies or, you know, call it you know, VCs, uh, uh-huh. yeah, I, I yeah. believe, I believe, yeah, yeah, that will help. Yeah. Your, uh, uh, your director of marketing, Nicole shared a story that I don't know how many times this happened to you, but that your, your chairman of your board is a white male and you would walk into meetings with the venture capitalists and they would shake his hand, not yours as the founder. <laughs> Did that happen often? Uh, not often, but you know, as I said before, I, I'm the type of guy who try to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. As we were doing this series last year, we had many, many people on the show talking about their experiences, and uh, I'm trying to remember now who the who the guest was, but she was in these meetings, and people were asking her to go get coffee. Because not only was she a minority, but she was also a female, yeah. uh, and she was like the one in the running the meeting. <laughs> and I just find that in this day and age, I think we would all be better served if we took that attitude that you're describing yeah. uh, and just leave all of that out as we're having these interactions. So I just think that's an interesting story. Your background starts. We talked about music production and it started in your church right in that kind of where you uh... absolutely absolutely right yeah so i used to attend like five churches a day (laughs) (laughs) so you've had this uh let's call it a hustle mentality you've been hustling since you were a kid really as you've been building this and so when you look at your company does your company embody some of those things, some of your traits? Have you been able to bring those into the organization? Yes, absolutely. We have a very, you know, the culture in CH is, is, is amazing. It's, you know, you know, it runs through all the individuals, members of staff, manufacturers. We've created this, um, I see as a family, you know, um, it's sort of, yeah, it transitioned through the company and through our products as well. And I think that's that's what it should be, really. Uh, we, we believe in what we do and, you know, we go extra mile to create innovative products uh, to, mm-hmm. you know, to support people. Um, like you said, yeah, I started, it's more like a, I've been hustling from day one, you know, <laughs> but about, I think it's about four or five different churches a day. So the way I used to do it, I was hungry for knowledge. I wanted to learn, uh, but I started as a pianist. So that was the only instrument I started with. But within the Christian community or these churches, you 
you could learn how to play a different instrument from, let's say, the guitar player that you play with. Mm -hmm. But in order to do that, you need to sort of visit multiple churches. <laughs> so you go to <laughs> to you know, play whatever you play. Then you go to the next one, and then you, after after the ceremony, you'll be able to have a jam session, you know, and then through yeah. that, you are able to learn. And I think that's why I got uh, the, the chance to learn multiple instruments, and I was able to implement it in my music production career because mm -hmm. I, I play all the instruments on, on a track, uh, and then, you know, I was able to record a handful of music that did really, really well. And that generated mm -hmm. some revenue for me as well uh, to help me with, you know, building my money or saving money to, to invest yeah. to my money. Yeah. Do you still produce music today or is that something that's in the past? From time to time, I do. I mean, I know a lot of musicians that still every now and then call me for a jam session or if they've got a project uh -huh. they're working on and they want me on that project, you know, so drop me an email. It's a passion. I don't think I can, you know, I can say, okay, that's it. No more music. No. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I will always, I'll always uh, do that when I get the chance. Kind of in the blood, right? It's yeah, exactly. it's just something that's a, that's part of who you are. Exactly. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about your company today and some of the things that you've seen, some of the things that you have done as a part of your organization in more recent times. You tell a couple of good stories about uh, during the pandemic. So why don't we start there and what you all were able to do during the pandemic? Yes. Um, thanks. That, that's an interesting question. I mean, during the pandemic, I believe every organization endured some level of challenge, um, you know, with businesses closing, people working from home, production stopping, mm -hmm. manufacturing stopping. We, as a young company, we face, were faced with that sort of challenge. But I really wanted to keep my team on board because we had this strong, um, I would say, connection and culture within the organization. Um, and as an entrepreneur, I, I started a side uh, company, which is called Medibird. And the main focus was to build up to generate revenue to bridge the gap uh, that we are facing as as uh, due to the pandemic for, for my mm -hmm. money. And that did really, really well. We were, you know, we're, we, we supplied millions of gloves. Uh, we've, you know, sponsored um, a lot of um, healthcare organizations, giving them free product to support them. And that generated enough uh, revenue to keep the company going. Mm -hmm. Were you using some of the same uh, manufacturing locations and, and equipment to do this or was this a totally separate organization it was totally separate organization but okay. i had already you know based from uh from experience of running ce technologies and you know working with manufacturers and the whole logistics uh, i had a, lo a level of experience uh so mm -hmm. i was able to apply the same experience of acquired uh to uh, medibird did you have to do a capital raise for that organization or did you infuse your capital into it? No, I didn't do any capital raise. Actually, it was just, uh, it was just me. So uh, I think I started with um, was just 1,500 pounds, I would say. And I was able to yeah. reinvest, reinvest. So I started it as, um, you know, 
just like a normal supplier. Now buy and yeah. sell it just to generate enough revenue to pay all bills that need to be paid. And yeah. then I was able to grow it really, really well. Um, you know, I wasn't obviously, the, the main focus was just to reinvest, reinvest and you know, generate enough revenue to, to keep us all going. And mm-hmm. it did, it did perfect. And now we have uh, our own factory um, that is producing, supplying to major companies around the world. We've done over 5 million, you know, uh, product shipments in the past months. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that's just a, that's an incredible part of your story because while you were doing it to help keep your organization going during the pandemic because uh, so many organizations were negatively impacted. You also found a way to give back during that process because of what you were building and what you were manufacturing rather and distributing. I just think that it says a lot about your personality and who you are. So you mentioned it when we had our call the other day, Danny, you mentioned Lord Stanley Fink. Now, for our U.S. listeners, they may not know who Lord Stanley Fink is. So talk to us about who that is and what he has to do with your organization. Yes, we are really, really excited to have Lord Stanley Fink, you know, as as the chairman of the organization. So Lord Stanley used to be in the House of Lords in England, um, very well known, Scott years, years in experience in terms of running businesses, taking businesses, you know, to uh, public, you know, growing companies to be multi-billion dollar company. Um, He was really impressed uh, about what I have achieved or what we have achieved at my money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our background, you know, coming from nowhere, we developed a very cool product, very innovative product, solving a particular challenge. He used the product himself and, you know, he was super, super excited about it. And mm-hmm. you know, having someone like that to join your company, I think that is what everyone will wish for. It's not about, yeah. you know, because he is, it's not about joining. It. He just loved what we are doing and he was really passionate about that and he wanted to do well. So, yeah, Lord Sally, we believe, you know, he'll be able to manage uh the board uh, and help us you know move to the next level we, we also had uh, Ringo Francis uh, who is also a very successful entrepreneur in England um on board as well so we have two um non-executive that we have brought on board um as of 2021 to help us you know grow the company I think it's interesting that you've been able to attract the attention through the success of your company. You've been able to attract the attention of some pretty big people to be involved on your board. When you started the company, did you ever envision that kind of success? Um, No, I would say not to the board members I have now, Uh, you know, when you start a business, you, every, I believe everyone would say, yes, I want my business to do well. So, yeah, I wanted a company to do well. I dreamt of, you know, have been successful, but not to the level of having, you know, a lord as um, 
as your board of chairman and also having some very successful entrepreneurs that love mm -hmm. what you're doing uh, and want to be part of it. Uh, I think it's not common. It's not common to get. Yeah, yeah. So I was really, really pleased and very excited to, to actually have them. And, you know, they are doing an amazing work within the organization. I'm learning a lot from them. They've done it before. They've been there. They, they know it. Do you know what I mean? So as yeah. far uh, aside innovation and, you know, creating products or technologies that are improving people's lives, you know, when you look at the business side, you need people that have got this kind of knowledge to, to guide you in the process. And yeah. I think they are, they are the one. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you if there is, I'm sure you've learned a lot of things from these people that are on your board. Could you name one thing that just comes to mind immediately? One thing that you've learned having them be part of your organization? Yes. So one thing that comes into my mind <laughs> um, <laughs> is being patient and listening to the public. So listening is is very vital. That's something that they always talk about. So as an innovator or inventor or as an engineer, we can come up with a lot of crazy ideas and, you know, a lot. <laughs> of but you need to make sure that it's not, you are not developing it for yourself. You are developing it to support an individual. So yeah. you need to yeah. listen to them and then implement their feedback into your into your products or into your thinking. And that's one thing I've learned from them a lot. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, listening to the feedback from our users and then implementing it and improving on our products. I love that because yes, you, you are developing products to improve people's lives, yet you're maniacally focused, if you will, uh, to use that phrase on the customer and to learn that from people like uh, Lord Stanley and Ringo to have those, that wisdom to be able to learn from has just got to be a great experience for you. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, aside that normal advice, um, like I said before, the, the culture we have in the company is not, we have the normal business, you know, norms, but we also have this family or I would say, yeah, we have this, you know, family culture within the company as well. So I can pick up a phone and if I'm having any difficulties, call Ringo or call Stanley and they're able to give me personal advice as well and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you'll be able to get this kind of thing in any organization. And I think, you know, we are really fortunate to have them because it's, they're not just non-executive or people that have done it before with great experience and trying to grow the company, but they also share feedback and insight and support us and, you know, advice us as well. I think your story of that you through your life have developed this sense of empowerment, this sense of exploration through your creativity uh, and have built this organization and have now brought in so many more people to help you build it. I can't wait to see where you're going to be three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, as you continue to build out your organization. Do you have any 
things on the horizon that you can give us an idea about your next idea without giving away too much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have something really, really exciting coming up in uh, this January at CES in Las Vegas that I'm really, really excited about. Uh, <laughs> we're really lucky to work with some, you know, big players to, to make it happen. And we've, we've spent the past three years uh, developing this product. So honestly, I think it's going to be a game changer. And yeah. Awesome. awesome. Well, we may have to have you back on the program after CES so you can tell us about it. Because I'm sure you got to keep it under wraps right now. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't wait to share, share it with, you know, with the world. It's, it's really exciting project, um, you know, addressing a particular challenge. And, and, mm-hmm. and again, it's a game changer. You know, when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone for the first time, right? It was like, yeah. uh-huh. you know, it was like, wow, this is like a game changer. And now we have an iPhone. So, uh-huh. so yeah. look at it that way. <laughs> okay. Well, now, now I'm excited. I, I can't wait. Well, Danny, I, I just love your story so much. And I am so glad that uh, Nicole connected us because I've just enjoyed getting to know you. And I know our audience is going to enjoy hearing your story. As we talked about, Status Go is all about action. We like to leave our listeners with a real clear call to action. So for our listeners out there, what are one or two things, one or two pieces of advice that you could give them that they can go do tomorrow because they listened to our conversation today? The one thing I would say is whatever they are doing, any entrepreneur journey, you know, they are embarking on, passion should be number one. If you have a very strong passion about it, you shouldn't think about money from the start. If you believe in the dream, you believe you're solving a particular challenge or problem to improve people's life or whatever you, you want to change. I would say you should have passion about it. You should love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have that love today, you know, ask yourself, do you really love this? If you don't love it, then you shouldn't do it. That would be my advice. Mm-hmm. But if you yeah. love it and you believe you can, you know, sacrifice whatever to make that dream come true, follow it. It will never be in vain. All the hard work will pay off. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Yeah. That is fantastic advice. And and I would say, even if you don't have that entrepreneurial spirit, having a passion about what you do uh, just makes it so much better. You're so much more engaged, so much more rewarded when you have passion for what you do. So, Absolutely. Danny, thank you so, so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us from the UK. This has been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you again after CES. So thank you, Danny. Thank you, too. Thank you for having me. Thank you. For our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Danny Manu. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.